And I'm Ethan. Yay! Yay. How how's your day, Ethan? It's been good. Work sucks, but that's about it. I you know, I think I wasted all of our early banter before we hit record. So let's just hop right into it, because I am yeah. so excited for this episode. I know you are. Uh I made you mm-hmm. watch. And I made you watch two shows, which is a first first, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But it's because they're super duper short. You basically maybe watch two half shows. Yeah. Equivocally. Makes one so whole. I made you watch... I'll say the first one, you say this is the second one. I made you watch mm -hmm. Harvey Birdman. Yep. And? And then also uh, Frisky Dingo. Yeah. Yeah. Both classic Adult Swim TV shows that only lasted 10 minutes apiece, practically. 10 or 15 minutes apiece. I think that's such a genius way of formatting a show. Just the oh, like, yeah. little filler of, oh yeah, most comedies are only 22 minutes on our, mm -hmm. on our channel, so here's let's do a little midnight filler. Boom. Done. Pow. Mm -hmm. Don't need those 10-minute infomercials when you've got a 10-minute episode to, show, to watch. Robot Chicken. Uh, mm -hmm. Wasn't Too Many Cooks just a 10-minute? It was just like a weird special, yeah. It, I think actually the way they did it, Too Many Cooks was actually like closer to 15 or 20 minutes long. It's so long. The way they did it. It's so long. That's why it's Too Many Cooks, man. <laughs> and that's a that's a vintage meme, I guess, at this point. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. fine. I, I just realized oh, that was an undergrad meme for me. Yeah. I Actually, I don't think I was introduced into, like, I heard about Too Many Cooks. But I don't think I honestly heard it or watched it until like maybe five years after it was a thing. So it was like actually having an aged wine in your closet. Like, you know, mm, I just haven't ever picked taking this out. So I guess we'll we're having a party tonight. So we might as well pop the cork on this and see how it aged. Did it did it age well? It seemed to have aged well because I laughed and enjoyed it. Right. But it's it hits all the weird notes that Adult Swim always does. So. And then, what did you make me watch? I made you watch a show that I knew you were going to be excited to watch, which was Harley Quinn, the new DC animated TV show on their streaming service. And boy, I, excited is a word choice. I've been concerned and worried and flip-flopping about whether or not I want to be excited or not. Mm -hmm. We covered it in the first season of First. I am a huge Harley buff. I enjoy the shit out of this character. At this point, Birds of Prey has come out. I came opening day. You saw my Twitter account. Like even like casual cosplayed that shit. I am all about Harley. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on this show. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> I bet you do. And I promise I won't just be a screaming person on the corner, of, like on the street. <laughs> I promise that it's not going to be entirely that. Mostly, but not entirely. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you want to, me to go first then on my episodes and then we can leave Harley Quinn for, for last? 
I say yes because I don't want to t- take up all the time and then some of the- not that I don't think you're going to be passionate or not be passionate about yours. Right. But there's an I energy. Think, I definitely think between you and I, since we have that chemistry with Harley Quinn, I think it's obviously going to be the longer end of the conversation. <laughs> well, let's hear your thoughts on Harvey and Frisky. Yes. So I'll get a quick synopsis for both and then I'll give you my uh, feelings on both of them. So okay. uh, first one I watched, obviously, was Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. I think I actually remember randomly watching a couple of episodes of this at some point or another when I was a kid or uh, origin story time for Ethan. I did not have cable growing up as a child. I was the standard three antenna channels that were provided. So you had NBC, CBS, and PBS. Those were the three channels I got until like maybe I was 15 years old. And then I binged a lot of cable. But we only had a basic package. It didn't have Cartoon Network, so no Adult Swim. But I did watch the hell out of like Robot Chicken. Maybe (laughs) opening arguments, I guess. But yeah, pretty quick and to the point, you find out... It's not Race Bannon. It's a robot from a previous adventure and stuff like that, of Of course. course. And yep. And then that's pretty much it. (laughs) It's pretty straight (laughs) into the point. Just shows how terrible of a father Dr. Quest actually is and how Race Bannon is truly the father. Um, And then we go over to Frisky Dingo, which uh, basically the entire first episode is you get an introduction that he's cutting the airwaves. This person named Killface. And he's creating a jet fuel engine that will project the Earth into the sun. And so he's sending this out to everyone. But it turns out this is just a recording for the TV advertisement that it's going to be. And he has a whole marketing team that's trying to tell him how much it's going to cost. And he flips shit when he finds out to get this on the air for every single television in the world. It's going to be like $200 billion. (laughs) And all that money obviously went into constructing the engine. (laughs) Um. So it's very much, and it's uh, a lot of the same people that obviously do Archer. So uh, Lucky Yates is involved with this. So it's kind of prologue Archer almost. And the way they deal with problems, like he ends up using postcards because the the for the budget that he has, postcards will work. And Killface does the best line I've uh, that I absolutely loved in that episode was, I'm hearing it. Uh, it talks about how a rapper, he can't go five minutes without seeing him on TV. And yet here he is reduced to using post-it cards, the dry hump of marketing. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, that's so true. <laughs> and it, pretty much it'll only get like a 1% turnout. So that's only like 100,000 people. <laughs> uh, but it's it's too perfect. There's a lot of little ips and quirks there. Obviously, you can tell Killface is a deadly person because soon enough he kills one of the twin uh film directors for talking shit to him and uses his body as a puppeteer <laughs> at them just like hey guys and so he's making all the terrible like oh i got came back from the doctor i have termites but it's an actual live human body that he's puppeteering <laughs> and he tries to u- drink a bottle of water and stuff it's very archer based comedy early archer based comedy and it's it's perfect but yeah i think both of those shows did really well there's an obvious reason they're only like 10 11 minute long episodes i did end up just watching an extra one just because i mean they're not too long of episodes and they did really good with the other ones too so yeah i i I enjoy them they were pretty funny obviously 
So if I remember correctly, Harvey Birdman actually had three seasons. Three yeah, or four three or four seasons. I think when I checked it, I think they split it up like on Hulu. It was split up, I think, to four episodes or four seasons. And I think the second season's like 11 episodes and the rest are like seven or eight. And it is a show that I found good enough that I actually own all the DVDs. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yep. Yeah. I, the, the cases are cool. Yeah. I like them. Well, th- this is what I remember from Harvey Birdman. Like like I said, I briefly saw maybe one or two episodes of it. I remember that he had an assistant that was uh, like Sue Birdman, but it turns out to be the boss's like uh, daughter that the boss keeps on hitting on or something like that. That was a brief <laughs> like thing that I, when I was flipping through channels, I remember seeing. So I don't know where that is in the show, but from where i'm at so far i'm like oh hey they needed to add an extra cast other than just avenger and harvey birdman so i know they add peanut and he is a delight oh good he's so so funny (laughs) so funny easily one of my favorite characters reminds me a bit of clarence a little bit of that mumble thing Mm, at times Mm -hmm. It's, it's it's very good humor and what is like within an episode two of him being premiered or introduced it's like ooh, i like your total or your totalitarianism i can't even say the word right <laughs> totalitarianism but like, ooh, I yeah and, and it's just i don't know very funny i've delivered the line delivered the line super poorly so it's not gonna be funny when i say it right <laughs> don't watch that episode though it's very good oh god speaking and... of mumbles that's just like the uh uh kill faces uh son in, yes! in frisky dingo uh what's his name i think it's like Stewart or something like not Stewart. Uh, it's something it's ridiculously it's something normal. Yeah, which we should comment on saying why it's so normal is because Killface and his son are like alien creatures. Like that's the best way to explain yeah. it. Like, yeah, Killface, Killface is, is is naked, is white, is a skull basically. He's basically a Ken doll, a, a pale Ken doll with claw hands and claw feet. And then his head, like, that was the thing that threw me off when I first watched it. His head looks, like, way too big for his body, especially since they're animating it. And it just looks weird. And it just adds to it. But it's it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, yeah, because he mumbles through that entire thing. And he he's like a cat because he knocks over his cereal bowl because he's watching rap Don't do videos. It. Don't you do it. Don't do it. And then... I had to put the captions on because I couldn't tell what he was mumbling, but he says, I'm moving back to Arkansas or Arizona. <laughs> and then he yells, we are, we can never go back to Arizona. You know this. And then he's just like, I blame the rap for his, for, for, for <laughs> this. Attitude. Yeah. Uh, it's just perfect. Like just real life, just comedic situations. Like, do you think we need another take? No, we've had 14 takes already. <laughs> Uh, it's just perfect. I also, I think his personal assistant is the voice, uh, Amber, she voices Pam. Oh, Amber Nash? Yes, I think, I think it's the same oh, person. Oh, perfect. If I, if I remember correctly, I could Probably. be Probably, yeah, I, I dug into it, because obviously I think you knew to recommend this, because I like Archer so much, obviously we both like Archer, and you knew it was going to be good, good content for me to watch obviously but um yeah i looked into it and obviously it only had like two seasons and there's just so much weird history behind it because it just kind of abruptly ended they're like ah well we kind of got bankrupt with the original production company and stuff so they just stopped <laughs> adam reed the creator of frisky dingo and archer to me has a little bit of that whedon 
luck. Mm-hmm. It's just Archer is one of his longest running shows because most of his shows get yeah. cut out super early. And and in part, it's been in interviews is that he gets bored. So he doesn't really become a huge champion for a show to continue. It's like, oh, my show's done. Okay, I guess I'll go do something else All right. now. Yeah, and exactly. We will definitely talk more about this during, I mean, I guess a Archer. teaser. We're doing an Archer episode for sure. <gasps> Gasp. But when he did his uh, Archer Vice, that was that peak moment of him being bored with Archer. And so he was right. trying to make something that yeah. he really wanted and it did not get super great reception. So kind of, mm-hmm. again, we'll talk more about Archer and all of its interestingness, <laughs> but I, I. Absolutely. I highly recommend people who like Archer to go watch Frisky Dingo because when you said it was the prologue to Archer, is the perfect word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the person that in the second episode, it's all all not about Killface in the second episode. It's about the superhero character, which is basically Archer Light. Uh, Zan- uh, Xander Reed, I think is his name. I'm not sure on the last name, but it's like Xander because he's like the superhero and he doesn't have a villain to fight. So he starts fighting kill face and that's how he gets the word out. Cause the end of the episode for the first frisky dingo episode is the postcard showing up on the, at the mansion mail mailbox for Xander. So you're like, Oh, he's like, who the hell would read this anyways? So <laughs> just think about this. You're trying to mass produce a notification so you can create panic and destruction across the world and you have to use fucking postcards <laughs> to do it because you don't have the budgetary or you have budgetary constraints what i would say about xander is that he is way more of i think a commentary on batman where archers are more of a commentary on oh, yeah. james bond but they share so many similar traits mm. like look very similar very handsome mm-hmm. dark hair blue eyes very much the i'm rich i'm good at what i do i don't have to really it's just a spoiled brat essentially yeah and, and xander and archer would be best friends oh no they'd hate each other oh they would hate each other i don't know i think they would be best friends because they have all the gadgets mm-hmm. and you know that archer's a closeted nerd that would freak out at the idea of an actual superhero i, I think that'd be that competition though and i think that would be the yeah, thing is that they're too true. similar and so they would keep trying mm-hmm. it would start out the episode would start out with them like, oh my gosh same hat same hat. Best friends. And then something would happen where they start doing that passive aggressive. No, I gotta be on top. No, I gotta be alpha. I'll go be. Gotta be alpha. And mm-hmm. then it, it would end with some mm-hmm. kind of crazy Family Guy chicken fight kind of situation. I think. Yeah, Xander would make a dig about like Archer's car or some shit like that, or like try to hit on like Lana or something like that. And he'd be like, "Wait a minute, I don't like this." And then they'd start like competing about stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It'd be a good, you know, fifteen-minute episode. Yeah. <laughs> these shows really conquered the art of quick humor yeah i think it's pretty obvious that i love me some quick rapid banter so one of my favorite things about any comedy is that they can shoot it at a pace that if i can go back and re-listen and learn something new from that conversation you're doing something right in my opinion so mm-hmm. in these really cramped episodes they were fitting so much information it's it's i i Art form. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love dry humor and wit, and these these two little shows had it in spades. It's just too perfect how they did it. <laughs> did it. It's like, ah, uh, yes, Dr. Quest, uh, and tell me about your boys. Ah, uh, yes, the boys. Um, <laughs> the, the blonde one, his name is... Oh, come on, Benton, you had this. Come on. 
Um, doesn't even know his biological son's name. And Haji's, you know, he gives his whole life story. He's like, I was at a Indian cast and I uh, came over and uh, I got caffeinated American drinks. I owe Dr. Benton everything. <laughs> and he keeps on saying that line until Harvey Birdman just like stares him down. He's like, I, uh, I'll, I'll shut up now. <laughs> I'll shut up now. I, like, Harvey isn't a bad lawyer necessarily. He's no. just kind of overwhelmed a little bit. I think yeah. Harvey Birdman as a lawyer reminds me of Space Ghost as a TV host. Mm-hmm. Very similar vibes in that sense of like, oh, they're yeah. not bad at what they do. Just a little awkward. Did you ever actually watch any of like the actual Birdman cartoon show? No, I didn't. Oh my God. That like just seeing them in two different likes like that. It's, it's amazing because in the original Birdman show, his power derives from the sun. So he kind of has that Superman vibe, but even more because he shoots like sunbeams out of his fists. And so they have that whole fight with Volturo, which is an actual rival from the Harvey Birdman or from the Birdman TV show. So it's perfect that they're opposing mm-hmm. lawyers and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, like, it's just great to see that stuff there. I was just like, oh man, because I watched it and I was like, I can't see actual Birdman having this issue. Like, you know, being as a lawyer, because he's a lot more noble in here. Like the first like two minutes of it is him just bored because he's just writing diction on the day because he doesn't have any cases or anything. And then he, he doesn't even get a whole lot of information. He's just like, oh, I'll take the case. <laughs> it's like, dude, you... just to do anything. Yeah. Dear God. Yeah. He's like, please give me something to do. <laughs> oh, and I loved it, too. There was a joke in there. Uh, the secretary calls into his office when he's with his clients and he's like, Oh, uh, the ornithologist called back. The test results were negative, And he's just whispering. Thank you. Cause he's a bird man. So where do you go to, you. where do you go to check on like health stuff as a doctor? <laughs> I was like, Oh, he had, he had a bender the other night. <laughs> had a test. Uh, I, for that. I, I wish I'd seen the original show. Cause I'm sure I would appreciate it more. But I think it was again well written enough that without seeing all oh, that, yeah. like context clues, mm-hmm. it 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 worked for me. And that, oh yeah, no, I could tell that was his main nemesis in the oh, real yeah. show. Like obviously, it obviously would be. the whole like from what I saw from the two episodes that I watched, it's obviously you know definitely Hanna Barbera characters, but like in that dry like real world humor. Because the second one uh, deals with uh, Apache Chief, which, again, not a great like name, but he was from the original Justice Friends Hanna-Barbera show they had. And just seeing him in like an adult like light, they're referring to his superpower of growing as like, you know, impotence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just too perfect. <laughs> I can't get big. <laughs> There, there's an episode at some point with the Scooby gang. Oh, God. Scooby and, and Shaggy get busted for smoking pot. That's really good. There's the Jetson family. Those are like the main ones that I can think of right off the top right. of my head. It's a funny show. If you oh, have yeah. Hulu, which I think is where most of them are right now, mm-hmm. highly recommend. Yeah. Good way to just kind of bust out some, some funny in the morning or mm-hmm. while you're cooking. I love I love Rick and Morty, and obviously everyone on that watches Adult Swim loves Rick and Morty pretty much, and they try to make sense that you know rick and morty is such an intelligent show to watch which yeah okay but are, are you, have you have you been sleeping on these shows these were great shows that had just a wit and wry humor to like be quote-unquote intelligent or for smart people quote-unquote i think some of these shows too were going on about the same time as like aqua teen and hunger force mm-hmm. and okay. c-lab 
they they fit right on that cusp of line where I feel like Cartoon Network is definitely appealing to stoners. Mm-hmm. I don't say that like in a bad negative way, just that I know I really appreciate stoner humor. Mm-hmm. Usually when someone shows me this thing that's like, oh yeah, here's this wackadoodle show I saw when I was high, like I'll enjoy the shit out of it. Just because I think it's not like, not like I, can, I can laugh at pot humor without <laughs> without smoking. It's not that. It's just I, I know that's a genre of humor I thoroughly enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's I, a different type of animation kind of when you have that sense, too, because obviously all that Adult Swim stuff, it wasn't like very smooth animation. It was standard mm-hmm. kind of like we have these quick like cuts of animation of this image and we just quickly move it along and it just kind of almost puts itself rather than a seamless transition just because they oh, need yeah. to get it out there real quickly and it was short so they're not going to spend too much time making it look like you know an anime or something like that or like you know a smooth like disney cartoon or something like that and there's something to say too as far as technology goes i think anymore we have more advanced technology even for lower budgeted shows. So we're mm-hmm. st- if you're looking at a low budget show of 2020, it's still probably going to have better animation than a, a low budget show of oh, yeah. early 2000s just because we have advanced, right? So naturally. Well, I mean, Adobe has come so far and we can make so many animations through Adobe or other oh, yeah. software programs like that, let alone what professional media outlets were trying to use at the time too. So we probably have like the downgrade version of what they had back in the day mm-hmm. based off of reflection. It's crazy. I, I think the weird, janky animation definitely adds to the charm of the show. Mm-hmm. Particularly, like, in Frisky Dingo, where you could tell it's just, like, this weird 2D yeah, flat movement the, animation. You can tell they're, like, actually just animating individual hinges the way their, like, legs and arms are moving, or, like, their <laughs> jawline is, and you're just like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> so good. Well, I'm really glad that you enjoyed the the shows. Should we do a group mm-hmm. ranking, or do you want to rank each one individually? Um, I'll kind of just break it down individually for them. Over overall, though, I think both did an excellent job. I think, in my sense of humor, and just because I think it dug a little bit more to like the nostalgia of the shows they were making fun of, I think Harvey Birdman did a little bit of a better job, just because it had a little bit, I think, to kind of bounce off off of that it wasn't its own original idea per se but it's using all these you know backup characters or cast so yeah i'd say they don't edge out each other very much but overall they do really good i'd say four out of five for both of them um maybe with you know harvey birdman power of attorney just because they have a good theme song edges it out by like 0.25 power of attorney (laughs) habeas corpus (laughs) Uh, it is a good yeah. theme song for sure yeah. are you going to finish either of them both of them i i'm i mean i guess we didn't mention it. frisky dingo only has like two seasons or maybe i did so i mean they're all only like you know 10 episode seasons or something like that so i'll definitely probably give them all a watch through like you said just when i have some time to kill or if i'm just cooking breakfast in the morning probably a good show to put on to start off my day or something like that to get a good chuckle well, I'm excited to hear how far you get by the time we're we're done with the second season of first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. And now, what about you, Alex? Shall we start the conversation on 
the show yes. that you had to watch? Yes, I'm like screaming eternally right now to save our editor the issue. I just want to <laughs> shriek for five minutes first. Very loudly. Let's just, <laughs> well, without being very loudly, just give your like bullet point emotions and knee-jerk reactions before <laughs> you even do a summary. Uh, okay, I... I feel like I can summarize Joe about as quickly as you did yours, because it's not complex. Because mm-hmm. I can actually summarize no. it in one bullet point. It is yet another yeah. Joker breakup origin story. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's your episode. If you've read any of the comics, if you've watched Birds of Prey, if you've seen any kind of media where Hurley has broken up with the Joker, boom, pow, you've seen the first episode. I'm so mm-hmm. fucking sick of those, Ethan. So sick of them. I was sick of them when they first started coming out. I just want to be past this point. Mm -hmm. This is going to turn way more into me talking about the theory craft behind Harley than the actual show. So I'm going to try to get the show part done with. Yeah. It starts with Harley jumping onto a yacht. There are a bunch of rich people and they're like, of course we did this the, the way we always do it. By fucking the poor. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good starting line. Harley jumps out. She's like, no, it's my fucking money. And this time, I just want to say, every time I say fuck and it's their dialogue, it's not just me being me cursing a lot. They say fuck almost every goddamn sentence. I came real close to starting a tally. And then I realized I'm not in the mood to tally that many fucks. (laughs) They try so hard to be edgy and different and not your your typical superhero show because it's Harley and we get to be cursy, whatever. It gets old mm-hmm. so damn quick. So quick. fucking quick. As someone who curses all the time. <laughs> yep. And so she's threatening them and they're like, oh, you're the Joker's girlfriend. Ah, ha, ha. We're not scared of you. And then turns out the guy who was like, fuck the poor, rips off his face and there's the Joker. And it turns out it's a dual heist, but it's supposed to be Harley's thing. The Joker steals her, her light. Whatever. It happens. Batman comes, saves the day. Joker gets away. Gets Harley, takes her to see Gordon, which is weird. I, I don't, I wasn't have been paying enough attention already to understand why she was taken to Gordon instead of just right to jail. But they try to offer her a deal of, hey, if you tell us where the Joker is, you won't go to Arkham for life. And she's like, that's funny uh, that you say life because the Joker is definitely going to come get me. So don't worry about it. Like, I'm not going to say anything. Joker is definitely going to come for me. I just want to say my favorite character in episode one is Gordon. I think they did such a good job of morphing that typology. And to what I really feel is just hot mess Gordon. The Do you know who voices Gordon in this show? Who? Christopher Milani, who's Elliot Stabler in Law and Order, and he was also uh the cook from Wet Hot American Summer. I am shaking oh, my know. head. Uh, Both of those go know. right over my oh, head. Dang. For those people that know, <laughs> they know. They get it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I just, I, the character design of the half and tuck, half tucked shirt and the coffee mug and the grizzled look, it just, he has that low key conspiracy theory look about him that I really appreciate. And it's kind of. He's just an exhausted cop. <laughs> he's so tired and just wants the best still, but just doesn't want to do, the, or maybe doesn't want to do the work isn't the right phrase. It's, it's, it's good. It is exactly mm-hmm. what I imagine Gordon to be like. And it was also at this point that I realized a lot of these character types that we're seeing, I think it's supposed to be really from the perspective of Harley. It's not just the yeah. writers being clever of like, oh, let's just kind of goof off of these tropes. It's like, I really think this is how Harley sees Gordon. This is how Harley sees Batman and these other characters. And Batman's still mm-hmm. pretty stereotypical Batman. 
and what I would say is animated series Batman. The, when the Joker's getting away, she's like, oh, isn't the Joker so cute when he flees? No. Like, immediately, not even a he- second hesitation, just no. And is witty without being eccentric about his wittiness. It's that dry mm-hmm. humor again, which oh, I think yeah. they really nailed for the few lines that he has. And uh, she goes to Arkham, and the Joker doesn't rescue her. She's saying for months and months, it ends up being a whole year, the Joker's going to come get me. The Joker's going to come get me. And everyone's sick of hearing this. There's Ivy, of course, trying to convince her, like the good gal pal she is. Like, nope, uh, he doesn't love you. He hates you. You're going to rot here. Someone, uh, the I believe it was the Riddler, ate an orange. So he ended up shooting an orange <laughs> seed. And that was enough yeah. for Ivy to take over the Ar- Arkham with, with her plants. They break out. And this was something that I, well, I guess before I jump to what I appreciated, this is something, this is going to be a soft review of Birds of Prey, the very few things I didn't like about Birds of Prey, because if you haven't seen it mm-hmm. at this point, go buy it, go rent it, go enjoy it, because it was really good overall. But everyone seems to keep forgetting that in Harley canon, Ivy has given her some kind of fucking immunity to poisons. It is a thing. So that way she can, quote unquote, play with Ivy, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But it also helps her being immune to Joker shit. So it's it's a mm-hmm. thing. And so both Bop and this cartoon has a, a point where she gets poisoned, essentially. Knockout gas. I'm like, that shouldn't mm-hmm. fucking happen. So Ivy <laughs> knocks her out, takes her back to her place. And then the part that I did like, and something I, it's, it's nice to see in the cartoons since the animated series, is Harley just being goo-goo eyes over Joker still. And he, I love him so much, and he'll come around. I believe in it. It's bound to happen, and she'll start to believe it doesn't happen, and that maybe Ivy's onto something. Then she'll convince herself, like, no, 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 he really does love me. And like that, I thought they did that really well. I think that was one of the strongest Harley mm-hmm. scenes was when she's trying to convince herself that the Joker still cares about her. And then she has this one-on-one session with herself because Ivy's like, "Hey, you were the only doctor that was able to get through to me." What would you say to you? And she like has this moment where she's talking to herself in a picture in a very Harley way. And like Ivy's like, are you talking to the picture right now? The picture tells her, tell her yes, and it's working. So leave us alone. Kind of change of message. It's like, <laughs> all right, ha very funny. And so she ends up diagnosing herself and she's like, what would you say this person has? Oh, yeah. Abusive partner, codependency, which is super easy to fix. And that as a mental health professional, I stopped again. I'm like, it's not easy to fix. I get what you're trying to say, like, oh, yeah, anyone can but do it. But she's a doctor. She knows it. <laughs> I, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to media when they portray it like that, even though it's supposed to be this ha-ha mm. funny show, is that a lot of people don't know how hard it is. They don't understand why people stay in abusive relationships. Oh, yeah. They don't understand how they can't just up and leave, and mostly because it's super, super fucking dangerous. Which, again, we see in this episode how hard it is for Hurley to leave the Joker. And... I think a lot of that gets pivoted on her and the, oh, look at her just falling back in love with him all the time. No, it's just, it's really hard for abuse victims to get out of those relationships. Well, not to mention, even if, like, even in regular breakups, it's still hard because you still have the emotional attachment to him. It's not like you can just cut a thread and it's done. So, yeah, absolutely with any relationship, not to mention, let alone toxic ones like that and codependency like that. It's hard. So, hey, if you're in an abusive relationship, I see you. Get the help if you can. I understand it's hard. There's resources. I don't have them offhand, but I just, please take care of you. You're important. 
off my soapbox because that talk is depressing and I hope everyone's taking care of themselves. We move on and Ivy's going to help Harley go break up the Joker. It doesn't go well. So Ivy has to plan this crazy thing uh, where the Riddler ends up capturing Batman and Harley. I'm kind of skimming at this point, guys. Just watch the fucking episode. Um, And they both get captured at the same time, forcing the Joker to pick one or the other. And the other one has to fall into a pit of acid. So, of course, Joker, who's madly in love with Batman, picks Batman, which is enough to send Harley to, as she goes into this pit of quote-unquote acid, to realize, oh, wait, no, he doesn't love me. And he never proposed to me, which is an ongoing theme in this episode called Until we, or, Till Death Do Us Part. And she realizes, oh, yeah, no, actually, there was no romantic proposal. He was actually having a grenade and was hitting it Till Death Do Us Part to Batman, and he doesn't love me. So it's that that motivator that snaps her out of realizing she isn't in a healthy relationship. Find out that this is when you find out that IV organized everything. It's not acid. It's just 150 gallons of margarita mix. And they decide this is when we get the costume change. Up until this point, she's in her typical cat suit with the red and black blocking. And now we go into her Suicide Squad New 52 look. And she goes to the lair again to break up with the Joker. And big fight, layer fight, and she kicks ass. And I fucking stopped watching, because I just, like, I know it ends with her winning, but I don't remember how she won. I literally can't even think of how she won. She pretty much uses explosives and then a bat, and then just blows up the entire place. <laughs> oh yeah, because, so fight and layer, that's my second to last note, and my last last note? You know what's funny about this show? Everything but Harley. Mm. Like, I love so much about this show, except for my homegirl. Uh-oh. Could not stand her. I uh, I think um, the girl that plays Penny that voices her. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaylee Cuco, I think is her name. There it is. Thank I you. Pronounce it right. Sorry. She, she did a great, great job. Great voice performance. Mm-hmm. Had no issue with that. I think the dialogue is awful. I think whoever's writing it, which I didn't even look at the writer. I am not impressed by the, the dialogue for her. I just, all of her lines were super winsworthy for me. And then again, just them trying to make it as edgy as possible in this first episode was so exhausting. So exhausting. So, I didn't like this show. And that's to say that I went into this. I tried. I tried to be open-minded, but I had a feeling I wasn't going to like this show. That's part of the reason why I haven't seen it yet. It was just like, oh man, I'm seeing these things that I know I don't mm-hmm. like. I just, I'm worried. And I wasn't necessarily wrong. The things where I'd say I was wrong is that it wasn't terrible as a whole. They do a really good job with all the other characters. All the other characters are really good. Ivy has probably the best lines throughout the like consistently throughout the entire show. Batman's super good. Gordon. There's a point where like Gordon is just turning the bat signal on and off while he's waiting for Batman. And Batman shows up, he's like, I'm not playing with it. Like <laughs> On and off. On and off. On and off. <laughs> I wasn't playing with it, I swear. <laughs> I am a very picky Harley fan. I know this. I know there are folks out there who are huge Harley fans and will consume all Harley media, and I think that's fine too. My opinion here isn't the end-all be-all for Harley fans. We all like different aspects. And there's a whole TED Talk I have about different kinds of fans and how you have your Quinzel fans and how you have your Harley fans. There are two very different types of people who like two very different types of elements of Harley. Maybe I'll do that as Patreon content someday. At this point, I'm rocking so hard in the chair that I should not be recording and John's going to kill me. I'm very (laughs) animated. I just... mm, 
this is for me for Harley fans. And I'm definitely more in Quinzel camp. I think, and obviously, I recommended this because I knew you were a Harley fan or like a Quinzel fan just in general. And I went ahead and watched it week by week because it was on a weekly release. With that being said, it's my two cents. And this is kind of giving you the time travel portion of it does pick up better. I think obviously what we kind of have from this show is they're trying to ride certain coattails of how Deadpool worked in theaters and everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to compare Harley Quinn to Deadpool in the sense that they're very animated, crazy local people that can just, you know, make off the cuff jokes or obviously Harley, I don't think it's too fourth wall breaking with it, but does make those slight jokes. Mm-hmm. With that said, I think, yeah, this first episode is very rough in just the sense, one, it's actually extremely gory, for one, just with the amount of violence they decide to throw in there. I mean, mm-hmm. I was expecting it, but I wasn't expecting it to the degree like when I first started watching the show. And it warms, <laughs> it you get warmed up to it as the show progresses, I'll tell you what. Um, I think they did a good job with the first one just because they knew they were going to make more ensemble cast with this. And I, I think if people continue watching this, they'll enjoy the crew that Harley assembles and like puts together throughout the show. Because I think like you said, you didn't like the dialogue with just Harley in general and the one liners. Obviously I think they're trying to do that for like the codependency relationship stuff a little bit. I think it gets a little bit smoother and better as the show uh, goes on. I could be wrong. I enjoyed it on that end. But like you said, you're a little picky when it comes to certain things. And I am full bore. I, I am one of the worst fans to make happy about any kind of media that's from literature, comics, books to screen i just get very picky about what gets translated over but what you just explained i think goes back to origin of why i know i really wanted to start first some shows have super shitty pilots Mm -hmm. and that is just a Mm -hmm. fact of life and i think this is a bad bad pilot yeah and it tries to shove everything at you of what to expect you know there's gonna be a lot of cursing you know there's gonna be a lot of gore you know they're gonna be pushing the edge you know there's gonna be this animation style and the, these kind of quippy one-liners, they're, they're forcing everything at you, which is what a pilot is. It's meant mm-hmm. to do that. But they just did not find that magic right away. I think yeah. there's things they could have slow-rolled. And I also just would have been okay with them not doing a Joker breakup origin story. I'm so, so, so sick of it. Because what people are trying to do is make Harley a standalone character. But still, the ultimate focus is she's doing this because she broke up with the Joker. Yeah. Why can't just can we get past this phase? Another <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years, if she's still a hot character, if, right? If. I mm-hmm. could see us being done with this Joker origin phase and whatever oh, yeah. gets settled into her being away from the Joker, it will, will be the new origin story. And I can't wait for that point. Mm-hmm. I will say, I mean, at this point, I've been picking up some more harley quinn comics lately especially mm-hmm. since they just did a reissue of suicide squad she doesn't get a whole lot obviously in the first few issues that i've been reading so far but i'm excited to see that obviously that's the whole thing is everyone wants to just do the easy attachment oh joker's girlfriend or anything at least mm-hmm. in this point in the comics she at least has some decent notoriety heck i think i'm falling behind on a few things comic wise but apparently from what i've seen in headlines harley quinn's actually in the justice league because she did a good thing at one point in time so hey 
Joker was never on the Justice League from what I recall. So, I mean, she's got something going on with her life different from everyone else. So, And I think we started seeing that start up with Injustice. Mm-hmm. where it was in Justice 2, I think, where she started working with the good yeah. guys because mm-hmm. Harley's always out for Harley. She doesn't really care which yep. side she's working on. Mm-hmm. And which, again, makes her very Deadpool because what Deadpool's mm-hmm. a part of X-Men at some point. Yep, it's, exactly. It, she's a very gray villain hero. And it's just kind of whatever is, you know, rocking her boat at that time period. Yep, yep. The other big comment I wanted to make, I think a big thing that comes into the Harley canon is her relationship with Ivy. Mm-hmm. And I know at some point in the show, they, it, it gets more romantic. I am not a supporter of the Ivy-Harley relationship because I think Ivy is upwards of just as bad as Joker. And my proof in just this episode is that her only way to convince Harley that she was in a bad her. relationship <laughs> <laughs> is to abduct her, manipulate her, make her think she was about to die, mm-hmm. and then be the one to rescue her and say, yeah. no, no, don't worry, I got you. Yeah, replacing another, you know, abusive relationship for another one. I, I want I want to correct you in the sense how they'll do this in the show, but I think yeah. it they, they definitely touch it. And I can't remember if it's this episode or in another episode, but even Ivy mentions like, you know, I love you in my own certain way or something like that, you know? So mm-hmm. they're not, like, full-on saying what kind of relationship it is. Obviously, it's just, you know, a gal pal, like... Gals being pals. Gals being pals, yeah. Relationship. I, I, I'm i glad for the correction, because for some reason I thought I heard somewhere that the show was actually touching on the romance part of it and, like, how big of a deal that was. If you want really hardcore Ivy Harley stuff, read the bombshell uh, comics. It gets mm-hmm. hit on real hard in that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know it gets hit on, and Amanda Connors and Jimmy starts with a P. Pelamento? Is that his last Maybe. name? Maybe. There you do the I Harley which... solo title. Mm-hmm. And, the, the run, yeah. And, and the, the Ivy Harley relationship gets mentioned in that, which I mm-hmm. haven't read all the way through Bombshell. I definitely collected that for the aesthetic and the actual writing, like a lot of us did. But the Amanda Connor one does a good job of, again, Ivy being aware of, oh, man, I'm not maybe really good for this. And I like you a lot, but I, we're just not, this isn't going to work out. Right. So I'm glad that the show kind of covers it in that same sense. I just want to say, though, I am here. Don't forget. Harleen Quinzel is a bisexual Jewish woman. Don't forget that shit. It is very important. Don't forget it. I don't think... So in the show aspect, I don't think they necessarily obviously touch on the bisexual aspect as much as you think, but they definitely lean into the Jewish end of it in a few episodes towards the end. Good. It's great. It's hilarious. Without giving a whole lot away, she actually has a family dinner with her family from Bendenhurst. So nice. It's great. Nice. It's great. It's probably one of my favorite episodes because it's I'll, I'll give you this throughout this entire show. She's building a crew and everything. And so she has this leading support. Stuff happens, and she ends up going back to her family for moral and, like, you know, emotional support. So it's an interesting juxtaposition. So we go this whole show with her building a crew and having this, you know, you know, emotional support more or less behind her. And then she's all by herself with just her family. And it's a, it's a cool transition to see. And she grows as a person throughout the show. And I think, obviously, this pilot has to throw a bunch of stuff in your face. Like, hey, guys, we say fuck and we kill people how cool are we this isn't your grandparents batman and justice league <laughs> mm-hmm. so 
they definitely i like how you said uh that they go from the angle of harley quinn because you mentioning that like that takes a few things off my box and i'm like oh yeah that is very true because a lot of these characters get played to their purest stereotypes ever i will tell you that for sure and you know i've seen clips uh, i had a friend send me i i'm guessing at some point she gets invited for the legion of evil because it's her at the table and joker trying to suggest like he needs a lot of money for this thing and she's like wait no that doesn't make any sense because of xyz but then you have mm. bane just being like explosions big boom explosions <laughs> and then there's lex luther uh it's explosions i just remember when my friend sent it to me i'm like is it bad that out of everyone in that in that whole scene lex luther is the one that i really related to the most <laughs> just the the head of the table wait no <sighs> okay <laughs> wait what <laughs> yeah. and trying to keep no, up with everything a- yeah, their cast and the way they cast people is great. And then just the voices. I don't know if you know this, but I know you like Arrested Development. And I can't wait to for you to <clears throat> see this character if you continue with this show. Uh, Tony Hale, you know, Buster <gasps> yeah, from Arrested Development. He plays probably one of the worst characters in this show in a good way, which is Dr. Psycho, which is the classic. Dr. Psycho uh, is... He's a disgraced Legion of Doom uh, member uh, because he is such a, a anti-feminist and everything. There's when you get when he gets introduced, it's the greatest thing in the world because how he's introduced pretty much explains him as a character, and it's perfect. It's just right. so great. And I, then my favorite is they introduce Kite Man. So, well, that's another thing. They had really cool characters. They mentioned Calendar Man, like in the first episode. <laughs> Calendar Man's around, yes. like constantly remembering all the dates, but can't remember the date of his kid's of his- birthday, which then leads yes. into a better scene. He's like, "I got you this cactus," and these guards just smack it down, and are like, "Can't bring in a garden or plant life within fifty feet of poison ivy." What are you, some kind of idiot? No wonder your dad forgot about your birthday. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's just... I'm the sucker for a good Calendar Man joke. It's just too perfect. <laughs> I, I'm glad that they're dipping into the rogue gallery besides the typical typical crew. So. They definitely, obviously through the show, dig into a lot of specifically Batman rogues villains. But it works out really well. My other favorite joke from this episode, you mm-hmm. kind of touched on it, that it's Margarita Mix. I love the line that the realist Riddler was like... Poison Ivy went to all this work, and she had to get all this margarita mix, which was the hardest part. And Riddler just casually walks by and says, "I told you to get a Costco card," and she <laughs> says, "And I told you the 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 you know membership fee alone to, uh, is too much just for the cost of admission." <laughs> I, like, I, I only go once a year, and I, it, yeah. it doesn't make up for itself the cost of membership. And yeah. it's like they're yelling at each yeah. other across the layer as the Riddler pieces mm-hmm. out. Yeah, I think one of my favorite characters especially in the pilot, is definitely Poison Ivy, like you said. I think her, the portrayal of her in this show is definitely a genuine one, and I think it's very earnest to what they're trying to make sure Poison Ivy is now. Because mm-hmm. in the show, she specifically says, I don't see myself as a villain or evil because I'm protecting the environment. I consider myself an eco-terrorist. <laughs> It's like if make if me being uh, you know trying to protect wildlife and plant life is a villain, then okay, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I think Ivy deserves more time and the sun for sure. It's a very interesting. What I can say is that for the majority of Batman's villains, and I think why I like, I mean, I, I shouldn't diss on Marvel as much as I do, but I, just, I really think all of his villains have such a thought out 
grayness to him because Batman himself is such a gray hero, right? Like what's mm-hmm. really good and what's really evil. Sure, yeah, Scarecrow with his fucking psychotic spray. Yeah, that's bad. But then, yeah, you have people like Ivy who it was a bad accident and she's just supporting her cause. Is that really bad? Destroy all humans. Right? Not that great. Mm-hmm. But mm. also, humans aren't all that great. So, uh, I I Take- really enjoy DC Batman in particular. Mm-hmm. So, with that all being said, do you think you're going to continue this? I don't know, man. I feel... So you recommended this to me, and I, when this show came out, because I'm a giant Harley fan, I had so many people coming up asking, am I going to watch it? And I was like, yeah, eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not in a huge rush. The, the trailer didn't thrill me. The logo's amazing. Don't get me... The, mm-hmm. Just aesthetically, the pink neon against purple brick wall. Great, great look. Uh, even the animation isn't terrible, but... I uh, I just was dragging my feet on it, and I watched it. I'm like, it's about what I expected. I am the kind of person that likes to watch everything in order. This is the first show in a while I've considered mm-hmm. just maybe watching the best of. So, like the, I, I think the a seat at the table is probably one of the better episodes, just because I see it pop up credit wise, and I've, I've seen it come up a few different mm-hmm. times in my research. I'm like, that's probably one I should sit down and watch. I might watch the family one. That would be. I think I think the seat at the table that's like the next episode after that and that's definitely like a better well it kind of gives you the overall plot of what they're trying to direct the show to cuz obviously this one just ends with her like quote unquote breaking mm-hmm. up with Joker um I think that one is kind of more of a a more soft led pilot or a follow up pilot almost. If I remember correctly it's towards the end of the season though Oh, at the seat at the table. Yes, that one is at the far end. Excuse me. I'm thinking of the one that comes out immediately after where they do sit at a table, but that's um, at a bar mitzvah. So nice. <laughs> they also play with that a lot. They definitely know, like, per se, the audience or the characters that are involved in this show because they're at uh, Cobblepot's nephew's bar mitzvah in the next episode. I'm, I'm so. still just waiting for the media for Harley that gets me the most excited. I was really excited for Bob. I had mm-hmm. my complaints. Which I, I'm always going to have my complaints. But like in that, in Bop, she's, they say this, her family celebrates Christmas. It's like, oh, Jewish woman, let her be Jewish. I did the very first uh, opening credits. Oh, do they? Because oh. I remember thinking, that, or that I'm like, oh. mm, bummer, mm. you almost had it. I think these ones, these people are a little bit more true to the, to the ideas. Well, and it, I don't even think Bop did a bad, a bad version of it. It's just different. And I'm, I'm waiting. And moreover, mm. the stuff that they skip out on, like, okay, my big beef about them always forgetting that ivy has given her some kind of immunity so that we can play right the context behind that's super mm-hmm. icky sure 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 mm-hmm. fine but also again it explains so much about why she's able to hang out with joker and ivy all the time because she doesn't have to worry about their side effects it's it's kind yeah. of important and mm-hmm. a- and <laughs> at some point back up i think what the biggest issue is we're still trying to find where harley fits within her own universe we're trying to see where she fits by herself. We're trying to see where she fits away from the mm-hmm. Joker, with the Joker, with someone else as a part of a team. And she's just in this really awkward, growing pains phase. And if we don't do the thing as a geek community of being like, okay, she was the hot thing now, and now we're moving on and just kind of dropping it, I think she really stands a chance to grow and be a unique character. Again, we could talk so much about my things, my feelings about New 52 mm-hmm. Suicide Squad and how that changed her as a character and did it really change her and her representation Ugh. in the movies, mm-hmm. uh, animated or otherwise. I have a lot of thoughts on Harley. This isn't 
quite yet what I want from a Harley <laughs> thing. I think Bop was much closer because it has some of that risque elements without it being beat over your head. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they definitely they definitely play more into the violence of of this Harley Quinn for sure. Um, there's there's fun moments and there's interesting moments. I could talk about the show all, all and try to like sell you on it even more, but if you you've obviously got your opinions <laughs> you on it, I'm like, no, but you gotta I'm one of those people that has to follow through on things, so it's like, but if someone's trying to convince me, I'll be like, fine, I'll watch it just to like appease the masses or something like that. I'll continue on with the show. But this one I think, honestly, like you said, pilots are always that's why the show exists is pilots are always a difficult dig into a long, complex story. Yes. You could probably try to watch an episode or like hop around, but they actually, mm, for the most part, it's actually like a can, a character development show. So I feel like you maybe miss out on a few things here and there. If you skip or go past episodes, the overall story doesn't really connect until like maybe the last five. So you could skip around. So I guess comparison wise, I have that feeling about It's Always Sunny. Mm -hmm. It's Always Sunny first season, a little rough to watch. Yeah. Again, they're not quite in, the, in character yet, but it's really important to know where they start. So that way the jokes in seasons three through forever Land. make more sense mm -hmm. as, as, as to why that's happening. I Again, I need to reiterate, I really don't like j jumping around episodes. The reason I feel comfortable doing it in Harley is because I am such a diehard fan that I feel like whatever character developments happened, I've heard about, read about, experienced already, because mm -hmm. I don't think they're following too unique of a storyline. Um, uh, the last episode is really interesting, I'll tell you that. It, I didn't and, expect and I, it. <laughs> I suppose I don't want to say, like... I don't want to apologize for my opinions because I have my opinions. I'm going to stick by them. And I hope you don't feel like I'm bullying you by any means. I I am so glad oh, there's no. people out there not who like all. this show. Yeah. I, that Everyone's allowed to like stuff, just like people are allowed to not like stuff, right? Uh, I think our relationship between you and I, I keep on forgetting, or I, I know you're such a big Harley fan, but I forget like how, like per se, like you said, picky or maybe critical you are as a fan. So I'm like, oh, but they're doing all this. And you're like, like you're either hot or cold about it but like but how could you be hot or cold about it it's harley quinn it's a thing it's great <laughs> because i am i am super diehard in the most obnoxious way possible <laughs> i when you mentioned like okay you follow through on things that's good that is so good i am a, very much a light switch and let's go back to archer when vice happened i didn't like it so I stopped watching Archer yeah. for a very long time. Yeah. And that's because I firmly believe if you don't like something, like don't give those fuckers the money. Don't yeah. do it. Fair. That, Fair. That, that gives them more of a message of what to what it's happening. You don't just keep watching something because you've liked it before. It's a common mm -hmm. psychological concept that you've already got given so much, you must follow through. Don't do it. You don't have to. Gambler's fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you just, you don't gotta. And so, uh, Ethan, I'm not sure if you know this. I'm kind of a busy person. I have a hobby or two. <laughs> yeah, occasionally. So, so uh, I, I try. Mm. I try to keep busy. So I like to make sure that whatever I'm watching, I am enjoying. Or whatever I'm reading, yeah. I am enjoying. I have no issue if a book's boring me. I'll, I'll quit halfway through and donate it because I have no interest in it. Um, I have to say those, those really rarely happen. Me quitting something full on cold turkey is pretty rare. Uh, but I know, like, my parents hate talking movies with me. I know a lot of people hate talking shit with me because I am always the negative Nelly in the room. And I always have something mean to say about things. 
again, there are good elements of the show. I just did not like it, which is should be should not be a surprise to people who know that I'm <laughs> just very picky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I get it. Like when I first started watching this show, there I I enjoy it for like the wit that they occasionally have, or those just like like we said the calendar man or the Costco jokes. Those are hilarious in my book. I love those just like quips that they put in there. Overall, like, yeah, I, like I said, I was kind of turned off, like, by the amount of gore and violence they decided to do right away, because I felt like they were trying to, you know, keep up with, like, Deadpool or something like that. They're trying to, you know, steal back the joke that they made of Deathstroke being Deadpool, now Deadpool's Harley Quinn, now Harley Quinn has a character that's a parody of Deadpool called Red Red Tool, and it's just, (laughs) it's just like, okay, how many parodies of a parody can we make here before it loses its base form? And stuff like mm-hmm. that. So I definitely think they kind of have that issue with here. But like you said, it's kind of from her point of view on how all these characters do. And it's not necessarily a parody as much as a like pure form of the characters as you can be. Like just the raw edge of it. Which, And then they throw some other characters in there that I would think that they would be completely different. Like King Shark. And he's a textbook nerd. Yet he's just half shark. So... Hmm. interesting if i continue to watch the show it will be for the villains which is for me a little ironic because that's why i like batman i don't really watch batman for batman i watch it for the villains and so here i am no watching harley for the villains it's just it seems something about the dynamic Mm -hmm. of a lot of these characters it's like yeah this is an interesting character but you have a lot of other cool things happening on around so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i think you know out of three harley diamonds I would probably give it one and a half. One and a half out of three. One, one and a, one and because uh, one and a half is like is half of those three, right? I, I it's yeah. just one diamond. I just I can understand why people like it, even if I don't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That that's where I can leave that mm-hmm. as. I can see why people like it, even if I don't. One diamond, and then a hard iffy maybe about returning back to the show. Uh, hard, a hard, iffy hard, maybe. hard. Maybe I'll watch a episode. <laughs> Yeah, it might be if I'm sick, or it might be even something as far as months down the road after I finish watching some other things. That's fair. I mean, I'll let you know they apparently greenlit a uh, second season, and it's going to be coming back sooner than a year down the line, so heck, we might have That means they've already had it planned. It's a 13-episode season, so I was like, okay, so you created 26 episodes, but you just split it into two seasons, because definitely, like... The way they leave it on the last episode, I'm like, where, where do we go from here? Like, um, without giving anything away, I'm like, everything's gone. Like, what, what did you do? What, <laughs> I, what did I, you do? What did you do? Like, you just, and that's where I think, like, maybe second season will be interesting because they're going to give it, do its own paradigm of some sort. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. You've got me peaked. I think there's, it's, it's interesting because... I think it was Netflix that's really started originating the split seasons. Mm-hmm. The, like now they call them part one, part two. Yeah. Part, so like mm-hmm. Sabrina Teenage Witch does it. I think the ranch does it. The ranch was the first one to do it. I think even Voltron technically did it before. Well, I think Voltron and ranch came out about the same time, but Voltron. Yeah. They pretty much were like, Oh, we still called them seasons, but they kind of like split like their last three seasons between, you know, four parts and stuff like that. So they had like, six episode seasons and then like the next season was 12 it was weird 
Which, I mean, you have to think cable TV technically did split seasons anyways. They would do their fall mm-hmm. season, their, their spring season, mm-hmm. and there'd like be a break in between. So it's not like a huge new phenomenon by no. any means. But I could see them planning, like, okay, here's this whole, here's 26 episodes, let's do a split. If we, let's end it in a way that if we don't get greenlit, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But we if don't, we, we get never greenlit, we can pick right up. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which, is, it's smart in its own way. If you can always end on that last episode of that what if, but not of enough of a what if that fans are mad Yeah. for that like creative ingenuity to it. Yeah. There's a reason they go mid-season hiatus, because they're finishing recording the last back half of the episodes that they had scripts for, because... By episode four, they know whether or not they're going to keep it around for a whole season. Mm-hmm. Funny how that works. Weird. Planning. Mm-hmm. Producers, man. Marketing. Love Weird. Oh, I feel better. I feel better now that I have that off my chest. <laughs> uh. To be honest, I mean, I thought it was going to be a little bit more exciting, but it's it's an interesting change of pace to to see that 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 criticalness of it. So you could more say exciting. I... What did you expect? I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was, again, I think when I show you, I feel like I'm a carny barker when I talk Harley (laughs) Quinn with you, because I'm like, get your Harley here. It's right over here. You got to love it. Just like being that like terrible person, just being that terrible person like, hey, you want this Harley Quinn? Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I heard you like Harley Quinns. (laughs) Jonesing for a Harley Quinn, like just seeing you like as like, you got any more of them Harley Quinns over here? Just scratching your neck, waiting for your next fix. I know for a fact I'm going to watch the Titans TV show before I watch more Harley. Oh, that hurts my soul. <laughs> and it's because I know I, I know it's terrible, but now that I know that Deathstroke is in the second season, I really need to fucking watch it, at least up till Deathstroke. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning that way because I like Deathstroke and... I just can't get over who they cast for Bruce Wayne. Not Batman, just Bruce Wayne. In the second season, because he just, he does not look like a Bruce Wayne. They didn't even dye his hair or anything like that. It's just, he should have been Alfred more than anyone else. I was going to say, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, wait, that's not Alfred? 100% thought it was. Oh, no, that's not Alfred. Oh, I just, I don't know. There's a reason. So, like how he said that I do follow through with things because I need Mm -hmm. to to finish it. No, I stopped halfway through episode six of Titans, and then I, I never looked back. So bad. I never looked back. Oh. So that's the one show. And if you're saying you're going to do that, I'm just like, oh, more power to you. <laughs> just like, you're, you're, you're going to be the person that's going to be like, no, but you got to keep, keep going. going, Ethan. You just got to watch, got to just keep watching Titans until, no, I didn't even wait until they introduced, like the next episode was when they introduced Wonder Girl and I didn't stay for that. I, they were going to introduce Cassandra and I did not do that. Or no, Diana Troy. No, I, yeah. I, I think some of it too is just I have Not so much enough. weight with Harley yeah. and background and just there, there's a reason why I'm picky and mm-hmm. whereas Teen Titans I don't I, I liked the cartoon as a kid and that's really yeah. my only experience so I can handle trashy mm-hmm. Teen Titans because I don't have an emotional weight to it I mean they at least gave a really I'll say this they introduce Jason Todd in like Titans and as they portrayed him on the Titans TV show, it's like, yeah, I would have voted for him to be killed off in the <laughs> comics, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's brutal. He is such a fucking dick. Like, I literally was like, how has, you know, Dick Grayson not punched this kid in the face? Because, like, they have an interaction and Jason is just 
a cocky asshole that's just like, I'm fucking Robin. I can do what I want. And it's like, no, you can't. Well, I think this is like the third or fourth time. And that's saying something because this is like episode five that we've brought up Teen Titans. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should stop talking mm-hmm. about Teen Titans. But yeah, until it becomes like a <laughs> Patreon exclusive or something like that. Or uh... you've got one of your uh, goal uh, checkpoints right there for like whatever programs we do in the Us future. Us watching Teen Titans. <laughs> Have a live stream of Ethan watching Titans and we'll watching his brain Discord. explode. Oh, that would just... Oh, oh God. Goodness. Just, yeah. Just wait for me to, like, turn red and just yell into the microphone. <laughs> well, let's wrap this so our wonderful editor can go back back to his life. Yes. Oh, it was It was a very cathartic episode, at least for me. Uh, I'm not sure how you feel afterwards. Do you need a smoke? Um, I might. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for sticking with us, dear, dear listeners. And Ethan, thank you for recommending the show and making me finally watch it. You're welcome. I hope you do continue it. I know I'm going to continue at least Harvey Birdman, so. But hey, if you have really strong opinions, you know, you can always come talk to us. We have a Discord. There's a link in the description for that. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find me at Roll for Alex. And then you can find me at Shaw. That's E-T-A-Y-S-C-H-A. Psst. This is the insert that John adds when I forget to credit our theme song properly. Our theme is Astronaut by the Spinwires from their Nights Out EP. You know, you just listened to this and I'm sure you have opinions. So be sure to stop by Twitter, Discord, so on. To let us know how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. Yeah. <laughs>